What is your next mission from God? We all have one. God has something in mind for us right where we are. Welcome to Your Next Mission from God with Julian Durko, where the saints show us how it's done. They've been through it, and sometimes they even got it wrong before they got it right. Based on Julie's book, Discover Your Next Mission from God, Saints Who Found God's Will and How You Can Too, Julie shares unique stories from the lives of the saints to show how they searched for and discovered God's will for their lives. Sometimes we have a misconception regarding a saint. We have an idea in our head what they're like and what they're about, and maybe it is rooted in some truth, but there's often more to be said about that saint. This was the case for me regarding St. Francis of Assisi. I had this impression that he was kind of a wimpy guy and that he was, you know, he loved the animals and nature and that there wasn't really much backbone to him except that he retreated from society and kind of ran away from it. And I just had this impression from him. And of course, I come from a family of men. I have a husband and sons, no daughters, and they're all hunters. They equally kind of thought of St. Francis as not somebody who was very manly, actually. And that permeated my understanding. Because remember, I was not raised Catholic, so a lot of the saints and their impression with me was just kind of what I learned after I had married my husband and became a practicing Catholic and was confirmed. That was my impression of St. Francis of Assisi. But I couldn't be more wrong. And one of the things that led me to this understanding of St. Francis was an experience I had. We're going to back the train up. Twelve years ago, there was a pilgrimage from my parish, Christ the King, to Rome and Assisi. And I was really excited to go to Rome. And Assisi, I was excited, but I wasn't a fan of St. Francis. But, you know, I was, I was in for the, the tour. And it's interesting that I didn't get to prepare for the trip at all. Because during that time in my life, I had someone just graduating high school and would be going on to college. At the same time, I had another son who was just getting married. And I also had another son who already was married. So this was the, the situation. The son who was getting married, that that wedding plan with lots of family coming in from out of town and doing the rehearsal party, which was a, a sleepover, big house on the river. It was just a big production planning this and then the wedding and, and all the company coming and, and staying for a while, etc. that this trip was going to happen after the wedding. And so I didn't even prepare for it. I loaded up my clothes and got on, you know, got on the plane with everybody else with absolutely never having been to Europe, no expectations, nothing, and very unprepared. (laughs) At least I hadn't done any research at all. And I was what you would call an uncatechized Catholic. Because I was very busy with everything else, I didn't get to prepare even with the group as we got ready to go. Linda Maynard was in charge of the travel plans and she had done her best to prepare us. And one thing that she had done was at our church, she had shown the film for the whole group 
Claire and Francis. But I couldn't be there for it, so I missed it. I didn't. And it was filmed in Assisi, so she wanted everyone to kind of, you know, have this experience. And so they watched the film, Claire and Francis. Well, as it got closer to going, suddenly I had a little bit of time and my husband would be gone on a hunting trip. So I asked her, could I borrow the DVD and watch it on my own at home? And it's quite a long movie, I think close to three hours. And I was watching it on a Friday night and halfway through it was like, I got really sleepy. And so I decided that, that I would watch the second half on Saturday night. I think it was a Friday, Saturday night. Anyway, I watched it in two parts and I was so impressed with Francis. He was in the movie, they did not portray him the way I had expected. And I, I became to admire him and to, to really connect with him. And wow, I was impressed. The next night I was watching it again, the second half. Of course, at the very end of the movie, he dies. And you'd expect that when you're watching a movie about St. Francis, that, that you know, the, the movie ends when he dies. And I was so taken up. I had a pile of tissues next to my chair. I just kept crying and blowing my nose and crying and crying. And I just couldn't believe how moved I was over his story and how wrong I had been. And, and so then something kind of hit me. So you have to understand at this time in my life, I had not yet gotten my Catholic education. I, and I wasn't raised Catholic. So I was just one of those Catholics who ascend to Catholicism because of marriage and bought into the little bit I knew, right? So I really didn't understand about vigils. Like once the sun goes down, that's considered the next day. I didn't understand that. I know that that goes back to the Jewish tradition and, and the Hebrews that once the sun went down, that was the next day for them. It wasn't at midnight like it is for us. And it, I was, I was crying and I thought, oh my gosh, what is the day? I had forgotten what day it was, but something tingled my brain and I went to look and it was October 3rd at night. And so then I went and I looked up Francis of Assisi and I realized, oh, his feast day is October 4th. Wouldn't that have been something else if actually I was mourning his death on his feast day, but oh, I missed it by a day. But then something kept tingling me and pursuing. And I realized that when I read about him, then I Googled him that he died the night of October 3rd. And so his feast day is October 4th because once the sun goes down and it's night, it's like the next day. And I was like, oh my goodness, it's, you know, 9.30 or 10, 9.45 or 10 o'clock at night. And it's the same time of the day that he actually died because he died on October 3rd. But his feast day is October 4th. So I got a little confused there. And then I, then I unraveled the mystery and realized that the timing was perfect. Now, the fact that I couldn't watch the movie with everybody else, the fact that my husband happened to be gone, and I knew that he wouldn't want to watch this movie because of his preconceived ideas about Francis. But afterwards, of course, he watched it because I told him, oh my gosh, you, you need to watch this. That was an interesting experience. And then within a few days, I was actually in a CC 
at his tomb. And I kind of thought, well, after something like that happening, I'm going to have a big experience in the CC. And I didn't. I was just like every other tourist. But I had a little gift of that orchestrating, letting me know that's why we have to keep our antenna up, our spiritual antenna, because the Lord is always orchestrating something for us. And so many times we just assume, oh, that's a coincidence or, or we don't make a connection. And you know, this unseen world, the spiritual realities, we need to try to be attuned to those, asking our guardian angel to help us see things that are happening all the time. Heaven and the saints are broadcasting to us all the time. Our angels are working in our lives all the time. And we often, for the most part, don't see it. But I got to see that. So that was kind of a cool thing. Changed my opinion about St. Francis. But I'll just run through a few little points about him. And then I want to talk about something else regarding St. Francis. He was born in 1181 or 1182 in Assisi. had this calling to be a knight and that didn't work out because of illness, etc. And so finally the Lord gets a hold of his soul and he has to relinquish his inheritance, his family name. And he does this very publicly and completely like I'm all in for Jesus, all of me here, father, take my clothes even. And he was left standing naked. I am releasing myself from my earthly family because I belong to the Lord now completely and I will rely on him for everything from my food, my clothing, everything. And interesting thing that in a dream, Francis dreamed, rebuild my church and he had this kind of idea that it meant the church at San Damiano and so he did, he was rebuilding that church. And then later he realized rebuild my church, the church needed the the mendicant preachers, Francis of Assisi and his group, the church needed it. A a course followed also by St. Dominic, who also the church needed mendicant preachers. The the church needed this sort of thing where where men traveled and preached the kerygma, what we've been learning at Christ the King, and preached the good news. He kind of got it wrong until he got it right. And you've heard that in the intro. He's one of those. He and St. Maximilian Kolbe really heard the Lord, got it wrong, started working, the Lord corrects them, they figure out the bigger plan. And that's okay. We respond to the Lord as best we can and he'll make those corrections. And he did for Francis of Assisi and the world will never be the same. But one of the things I wanted to do was correct a misunderstanding of something that has been credited to him. You've heard this. You've may have heard it from a priest at a pulpit. I have. This is a wives' tale. And it is this, that St. Francis said, preach the gospel always, and if necessary, use words. Catholics have clung to that so that they don't have to preach the gospel. (laughs) They don't want to use words. Oh, my example is going to be enough. And while the words would mean nothing without the proper example of a life lived and trying to live, you know, the struggles and trying to be a good example, it it doesn't let us off the hook. We do need to use our words to proclaim. Now we've been hearing the kerygma represented to us at Christ the King in four amazing homilies by Monsignor John Syak. And if you go to ctk.cc, 
you can click on a link that lets you listen to those homilies and get the notes from them. They cover created, captured, rescued, and response. And, and at the recording of this right now, we've got three done and one more to go. It'll be posted as it's done. It's amazing. The Lord is expecting us to proclaim this kerygma. Now, I will give you an example of a good way to proclaim it. One of the good ways is just your own personal story. I love God because he did this. I love God because this happened in my life. It's not a tit for tat. It's not an argument. It's not, you don't have to have a theological background and be able to defend anything. It's your story and nobody can argue against your story. In fact, a story is personal. And when you share your story of why you love God and why you've chosen to follow him, you are sharing some of yourself that's very personal. And this will reach a heart more than anything else because we really don't convert people. The Holy Spirit does. So often it's the heart. And then if you learn the kerygma, your catechesis, and you, you want to find out answers for friends, etc., it would probably naturally come out of sharing of yourself first, your own story, and then saying, you know what? I'm going to get back to you on this. Or maybe even sitting down and pulling up those homilies in order and, and listening to them together. Also, Father Ricardo, John Ricardo, does the same thing. Monsignor Pattern, his after John Ricardo. They both have a little different way of delivering the same amazing message that changed the whole world. <laughs> there you go. It has been a pleasure being with you today. Pray with me. Jesus, Mary, Joseph, we love you. You've been listening to Your Next Mission from God with Julie Durko, produced at the studios of Mater Dei Radio in Portland, Oregon. To listen to this podcast, visit materdayradio.com. To find out more about Julie's book, Discover Your Next Mission from God, Saints Who Found God's Will and How You Can Too, or if you're in need of a Catholic speaker for a parish mission, retreat, conference, or event, visit catholicfinishstrong.org. That's catholicfinishstrong.org.